Today we are starting, or this week, we're starting Sefer Shemot. That's a big deal. By the way, it's, it's always a thought process. You know, when we start Simchat Torah, we start Breshit, we go, oh, and now all of a sudden, Breshit is over, you know? And we're starting Sefer Shemot. We're starting the whole story of Yitziat Mitzrayim. We're getting closer and closer to Purim, even though Purim is now, of course, a month later, and Pesach. So it's always like a turning point. There is a thought process in Sefer Shemot that I very, very much enjoy studying, and I want to share it with you. Some of it is new, some of it is old. Um, the first thought that a person should have is that we ended Vayechi, we ended Sefer Breshit with a very good relationship between Yosef, Yaakov, for the 17 years that he was there, and the brothers, and Mitzrayim. Yosef and Paro were BFF forever. I mean, they became best friends. But not only Yosef, not only Paro, but all of Mitzrayim, they, 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 they thanked Yosef. He, he saved them, right? They were it's going to be a Ra'av. So it was a tremendous amount of respect from the Egyptians to the Jewish people. All of a sudden, you know, it's like one of these relationships. All of a sudden, you come the next day, your friend is not your friend anymore. All of a sudden, we start this Sefer Shemod, and boom, 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 boom. They get into slavery, into oppressing them, into killing them. One has to think a little bit what happened, okay? So we start with this week's Parashah. No, oh, sorry about that. No, not that, that, not that, not that. We're going to go to this. Sorry. There we go. We're going to start with the intro in... In chapter one, Pasuk Chet, Vayaka Melech Hadash Al Mitzrayim. So maybe you'll say, oh, there was a new king, right? You know, different uh, political parties, we won't say which, come into power. And maybe there was a, uh, you know, a whole different set of policies. So first of all, that really won't answer the question that well, because it's still the whole nation. How, how did the whole nation turn against Klai Yisrael? But as a matter of fact, even this pasuk is not enough because Rashi says, Rav Shmuel, there's a machlok at Rav and Shmuel, chadash mamash. one person, one of the rabbis says that it was really a new king. V'chadamar, no, it was the same paro. His policies changed. So where is this coming from? Where is this coming from that his policies changed? And how was paro successful in getting all the Egyptians to turn on the Jews. That's, that's the thought process. In that, I'm going to introduce you to something. I don't know if you've ever heard this. We say this Tehillim a lot. We say it in Hallel. We sing it. We know it. Do we really know what the word means? Take a look. Betzeit Yisrael mimitzrayim, Beit Yaakov me'am lo'etz. The second chapter in Hallel, David HaMelech is referring to when Kalal Yisrael left Mitzrayim, Beit Yaakov, which is another name for Kalal Yisrael, the women, if you'd like to say, left an Am, a nation, Loez, says the English, a nation of a strange tongue. Okay, what is the concept that David HaMelech is trying to point out? Of course, it's a, it's, it's a nation that has a different language. Would David HaMelech say a big deal about that they spoke Egyptian? What's his point? Before I want to prove what I'm about to say, anybody on the Zoom know 
What does it mean when you say motzi laz? Okay, I'm so excited that you don't know. I'm happy to teach it to you. So I'm going to... Say it again. Lashon Amzar. Lashon Amzar, fine. Is that a Lashon Amzar? For those who didn't understand that, it's a uh, the language of a foreign nation. Okay, so we're still in the same place. Why is David Amel telling me that, I mean, what's the significance of saying that? Is it something positive? Is it something negative? Or is it just saying Lashon Amzar? I would guess that it's something negative. Oh, Eleanor reads me like a radar, man, like a radar. She knows where I'm going, but I'm going to prove it. It's not just going to be Besser. I'm going to prove it from a fascinating Gemara. And the truth is, you'll see one rabbi a little bit criticize another rabbi. Everybody remembers in Parshat Balotcha when Miriam spoke, huh, la shon hara about Moshe and Sipora. Everybody remember that? Yeah. Yeah. And what was her punishment she received? I don't think you've ever seen this Gemara. It's fascinating. Watch, says the Gemara. Uh, I have an English and Hebrew. I'm going to do the English. We'll make it easier. On a similar note, Rabbi Akiva revealed an additional matter not explicitly articulated in the Torah. What's he saying? You say that when Aaron and Miriam spoke against Moshe, he wants to say that not only Miriam got tzara'ad, but both Aaron and Miriam were struck with leprosy. How does Rabbi Akiva know that? Because it says, and Hashem got angry at them, and he left. And the cloud departed above the tent, and behold, Miriam was leprous like snow. And Aaron turned toward Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. So the verse's statement that God became angry at both of them teach us that Aaron too became leprous. And this is the statement of Rabbi Akiba. Let's go slow. Okay, hopefully everybody understands what I just said. Let me just explain it nicer. Rabbi Akiba, does it say in the Torah that Aaron got Sarat? Is that a yes or a no? No. No. Says Rabbi Akiva that he is deriving, right? He's deducing from the fact that it says that Hashem was angry at both of them. And then Hashem left and Miriam became full of Tzarat. He, Rabbi Akiva, is saying that that means that they both got Tzarat. Okay, okay. I want you to look at uh, another Tana's reaction to Rabbi Akiva. Okay, sorry, I just have to keep going back and forth. Yeah, says this other rabbi, Rabbi Yehuda ben Betera said to him, Akiva, I guess he could call him Akiva. He was good friends. In either case, whether he did get leprosy or not, you will be judged in the future for this teaching, which means he's criticizing, I think it's, it's interesting, he's criticizing Rabbi Akiva for what he said. If the truth is in accordance with your statement, that means if it's really true that Aaron also got Sarat, right? The Torah concealed Aaron's punishment, and you reveal it? The Torah doesn't say it, so why, why are you saying it, right? Why do you have to deduce it? That's his criticism. And if the truth is not in accordance with your statement, and if it's not true that what? That Aaron got Sarat, you are unjustly slandering that righteous person, right? He's slandering Aaron. Everybody with me, right? I'm going to go back up to the Gemara in Hebrew. You're slandering that person. Look at the last line. What does the Gemara use as a language of slander? 
Ata moti laz. Oh, there it is. Al oto sadik. So using a Gemara, we just proved that laz is not just, oh, they speak something, they speak a different language. No, 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 no. Laz is what? Laz is negative. Moti laz is to speak negative about another person. And as a matter of fact, if you look up at the Chafetz Chaim book of Lashon Hara, he says it all the time. You're Motzi Laz. So now let's go back, ladies and gents. Let's go back to what David HaMelech says. Betzeit Yisrael mimitzrayim, beit Yaakov me'amloez. Now we're saying something negative about Egypt. Egyptian or Egypt or Mitzrayim slandered us. Okay, do you guys remember that? And keep it in the back of your head. Here we go. Ibi Shif, I see you. I don't see you, but I see your name. Nice to see you. Okay, here we go. Now I'm going to tell you something that, uh, let's get you guys out of the way for a second. There we go. Okay, now let's get you down to a very famous puzzle. This question, I ask every Pesach. Okay, I'm just got to, your beautiful faces are in my way. There it is. Okay. In Divanim chapter 26, Parshat Kitavo, we're talking about bringing Bikurim. Everybody knows what Bikurim is, right? And when they brought Bikurim, the first fruits to Yerushalayim, the Beit HaMikdash, there was a prayer, there was a statement connected to Bikurim. It, as you read this, tell me where you say this. You. At the you. Seder. At the Seder, excellent. Great, you guys are great. Va'anita va'amarta, you should say, Lifei Hashem Elokecha, you're talking a little bit about the history. By the way, why is this connected to Bikurim? Because they're going through our history, and Hashem finally brought us to Israel, and now I'm able to bring you fruit. So, we were very there. Now, here we go. This is it. This is the Pasuk. You should remember this. And they treated us, afflicted us, and they gave us a lot of work. Okay, what is the Shoresh of Va-Ya-Re-U? Go. Ra. 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 What does Ra mean? Bad. That means they did bad to us, right? They hurt us, right? Va-Ya-Re-U-Tanu. They, they were bad to us. Actually, the English says, and the Egyptians treated us cruelly, and then they considered, and then they afflicted us, and yada, yada, yada. Whatever, have, Ra could also be Rea, which is friend. Oh, hang in there, hello, hang in there, hang in there, hang in there, hang in. Let's first start with the problem. We have a serious Dikduk problem here. I don't know if anybody caught it, but we have a serious Dikduk problem. Are you ready? Look at that. We're going to do Yeshiva Flapush Hebrew. Here we go. Inflection of et, inflection of la. Okay, et, ot. What does ot mean? Me. Me. Me, well, it's right there, guys. So, but, you know, and Otanu is us. Okay. Lee is to me, and Lanu is to, to us. Somebody in Hebrew tell me that uh, a Johnny did bad to me. He was not nice to me. Say it for me. Who? Hey, Raleigh. Hey, Raleigh. Lee, not OT, right? Because Ra-O-T is in English, it, it sounds like you're speaking like a Russian. He bad to me. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. He bad me. What do you mean he bad me? He did bad to me. It makes sense. Everybody in agreement or everybody's still thinking? Yeah. 
Ricky, do I get an agreement on that? Okay. Just in case Ricky doesn't want to agree with me, I'm going to prove it. Because you never know. Sometimes you don't think I know what I'm talking about. Here we go. Later in this pasu, in this parsha, at the end of this parsha, when Moshe went to already to Paro, and Paro made the work doubly hard on the Jews, right? The Jews complained to Moshe, "Why did you make more trouble?" Look what Hashem, Moshe says to Hashem. By Yashav Moshe el Hashem, Moshe returns to God and he says, "Adoshem, Lama." Here he goes. Here he goes. Ha re ota, ha re ota. What's the, what's his ra? What does it say? La'am Oh, that makes sense, right? Right? So it doesn't say Lama Hare Ota et Otam, right? It says Lahem. So that means if you're going to say that Ra means bad, what are we saying in that chapter from Bikurim that we say in Pesach by Yareu Otam? Does everybody understand my question? Yeah. Okay, guys, I'm just building the case, like the Rittenhouse case. You got to give it a little time. Okay, I'm building. Okay, here we go. So the question is, here's the question. Instead of which literally means they made us bad, it should have said, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to learn three answers. How beautiful the Haggadah could be. If you could remember this, you will be the star of the table. Okay, three answers. The third one is going to be answer my original question. Jeannie, you found your laptop? I love it. Okay, here we go. The first perush I love. One of the things that happened to us in Mitzrayim was something sad in terms of our character. Let me explain. I hope you're going to like this because I do. Here we go. Answer. The Jewish people are distinguished by their character traits. The Gemara says you can identify a Jew because of three midot. They are known to be merciful, rachmanim, bashful, which Bishanim. is shanim, and gomlei chasadim. By the way, let's take a moment, just a moment. Oh, Shrek. Just a moment to, when I teach this to my high school students, I take a break and talk about busha. Busha sounds like something you might want to take your kids to a therapist for. He's shy. Nope. He's shy. Yay. That means he's a good Jew. Every Jew should have a level of busha, a level of things that they don't do because it's below them. I'm going to quote you a famous Chafetz Chaim. The Chafetz Chaim says, why is it bad to use Nivul Peh? What is Nivul Peh? Nivul Peh is? Foul language. Foul language, or I call it wordy dirds, right? Using wordy dirds, what's the problem with that? So the Chafetz Chaim gives you three reasons. His first reason, first, of course he talks about other things. His first reason is, it lowers the midah of busha in a person. You become a low-class person. You're not refined. You're not a sophisticated human being. Busha is good. So the Gemara says a Jew should have busha. A Jew should be embarrassed to do certain things. Just want to point that out. So therefore, those are the three midot in a person. Rabbi, can I ask a question? Sure, please. So, 
Just for what would be the difference? What would be the difference between being, you know, humble and anav and having busha? Is there is there a clear differentiation between the two? Are they? Yes, yes. There are two different midot. Anav is a person. Actually, we can talk about it later about Moshe. What does it mean to be humble? I, I could tell you at the end, but I'll tell you now. Humble means that everything that you accomplish or that you every gift that you have in this world you attest to the fact that God gave it to you. You understand? That you're, you're appreciative. It's not you. You remember the example I gave you, Jeannie? It's like somebody being tall, right? So if I'm in the supermarket and a little old lady says, young man or old man, you're tall. Can you get me the Rice Krispies? I'm not supposed to say, I'm not really that tall. That's idiotic, okay? Of course I'm tall. And therefore I should thank God for making me tall that I'm able to help you which means I don't feel superior to you. So if I have a better voice or if I have uh, brains or if I have any of those gifts, that's humble. Humble means that a person has to not feel superior. Here we're talking about having nothing to do with the other person. You understand? Behavior, certain behavior should be below me, right? I should not walk around. I'm sorry to touch this topic, Eugenie, but I should not be seen in public wearing that. It's a bouchard. It lowers my who I am. It's, it's, it's refined. I should not use the F word. I should not use the S word. I should not, you know, uh, even, I, I, you're going to laugh now. You shouldn't be picking your nose in public. It's, it's, it's embarrassing. It's, it lowers who you are. All of that behavior having nothing to do with the other person. Is that? Okay, is, thank you. Is that enough? Yes, perfect. Thank you. Are you making a speech about this? I don't, I don't speak in public. Oh, we're changing that very soon. Let me answer Shem, believe that there. Okay, so now watch. Unfortunately, under Egyptian bondage, the Jews were exposed to inhumane treatment, causing them to lose their refined character and sometimes transforming them into corrupt people. Thus, through affliction and hard labor, the Egyptians made us into bad people. This is a dark side of history. We have, of course, and we should only talk about the beautiful stories. Of beautiful is a funny word. I shouldn't use beautiful. The inspirational stories in the Holocaust. Yes, there were many of them, right? This person gave up his food for that person. This person did that. But unfortunately, girls, come on. Let's, let, I'm sorry, and gentlemen, let's call a spade a spade. During very tough crisis, right? Do you guys remember? I don't want to do it now. I have the video of the guy that stole his friend's papers. You remember that? Do you remember that story? There was a whole story about the guy who stole his friend's papers and he got his family out and the other family died. There are stories like that. What happens is that when somebody is in a crisis mode, when somebody is in a tough, challenging situation, people sometimes do things that are lower than character. Is that a fair statement? Yes, it is. And therefore, how beautiful is this perush? Yeah, because, what happened is that because we were Mitzrayim, we got lower. We were lower. They made us bad. So that's the first perush. That's not what I'm using to answer my question, but it's a beautiful perush. And to that perush, I'm bringing a very important lady. Very important. Let's look at her picture. And she is. Come on, guys. Golda Meir. Golda Meir. Let me quote you, Golda Meir. When peace comes, we will perhaps in time be able to forgive the Arabs for killing our sons. 
but it will be harder for us to forgive them for having forced us to kill their sons. How deep is that? That's beautiful statement by Golda Meir, a brilliant, sensitive human being. Is that phenomenal, guys? Isn't it? That alone is inspirational. So that's exactly what the Pasuk is saying. The Pasuk is saying that the Egyptians made us do things we really didn't want to do. Fair? Okay. That's the first Perush. Second Perush is Rebetzin Eleanor. Okay. Rebetzin Eleanor said, who said, Eleanor, I love it that you look at the positive side. Who said that Reish Ayin is only what? The word is bad? No. Reish Ayin is another, is another Shoresh, right? Reya is a friend. Oh, let's see what that means. Okay. You know what it means? This Perush, which means what happened? They befriended us. So what's wrong with befriending us? Why is that a bad thing? Watch. So in, it, it, to, to support Rebetzin Eleanor's Perush, we're going to bring another Pasuk in this week's Parsha. It's all this week's Parsha. Vaya'avidu Mitzrayim et B'nei Yisrael. Again, ladies, if you can remember all this for the Seder, you, I'm telling you, it'll be great. Vaya'avidu Mitzrayim et B'nei Yisrael b'farech. Sounds like a nice Syrian word, no? Farech. Okay. So the Egyptians enslaved the children of Israel with Farech is back breaking labor. Says the Gemara. It's an open Gemara in Sota. You ready? Omar Rabbi Shmuel What is Befarech? Beperach. Rach, rach, rach. Do you see? Chaf sofit. The word Befarech is a conjunction of the words Perach. What does the word Rach mean? Soft. Soft mouth. As the Egyptians enticed the Jewish people into slavery, gradually subjugating them until they lost their freedom completely, which means like this. Now this pasuk is really beautiful. The pasuk starts saying, Vayareu otanu. First the Jewish, first the Egyptians were what? No, we're nice to you. Come on, help us work a little bit. They enticed us with soft words. Vayareu otanu. They became our friends. That makes sense. Otanu, our friend. They became, right? Otanu. And then they loaded on, they got us in, and they got more and more and more. So that's the second Perush, which is nice. The Al-Sheikh, which is a beautiful commentary, says that this is a lesson to our life. The Yetzirah. Let's forget the Yetzirah, right? We go, we get married, and we get a job. And in the beginning, we say, okay, we'll get a job. We'll work a couple of days, but I'm going to go learn. I'll go to shul. And then what happens? The job gets more intense and more intense and more intense. I got to make more money. I got to make more money. Oh, okay, so I won't go to shul now. Okay, so I won't learn tonight. And then like that and like that. Oh, I have a meeting in a non-kosher restaurant. Whoever thought, no, no, but you're in already. You're in, right? They got you. You're in there. Goes to there. And then it goes to there. And the Alshut says that that's, a lesson we should learn if we learn that perush from this pasuk. Let me read it to you. Ready? The alternative word vayareu is the same as reya, like Eleanor said, which means friend. The Haggadah is saying that the first vayareu tanu, they first became friendly with perach. They induced us to help in the development of Egypt, and in fact, even originally paid wages for the labor, 
Afterwards, they made us suffer. Okay? And that's out of time, which it does the same thing. Very good. Okay, we can skip that. But by the way, I just want to tell you that this Perush works well because now it makes sense that the beginning of the Pasuk says, and the next word says what? You understand? means they oppressed us. So the first, it's explaining. First, they got us in soft, and then they oppressed us. Okay, that's the second perush. Is everybody following? We're good, I hope. Okay, now the third perush. The third perush is going to answer our original question, how is Paro successful? The third perush is scary historical. Scary historical. Why? Because the first oppression of our Jewish nation was Mitzrayim, many thousands of years ago. I'm going to use a comparison to the very last oppression, unfortunately, in our parents' and grandparents' generation. His name is, I don't want to say Hitler. his name, Hitler's oppression. Sure. Let's take a look what the Hitler did and how did he succeed. Oh, yeah, yeah. How Hitler, Hitler pioneered fake news. Oh, fake news. There it is. In October 16, 1919, Adolf Hitler became propagandist. All right, Michelle Bergman, help me out. Let's go. How do I say that word? Propagandist. 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 Yeah, I'm saying it like a Hasidic guy. No, you're <laughs> saying like protagonist, but it's because he's he made propaganda such an incredibly powerful tool. He was a propagandist. I love it. See, we need Michelle. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. It would be his chief occupation for the rest of his life. Without propaganda, he could never have become a public figure, let alone risen to power. It was as a pro, pro, pro say it again, propagandist, right? Propagandist. Yeah. Propagandist. Then he made the Second World War possible and defined Jews as Germans' foe. I have to tell you, this is a fascinating study or observation in human behavior. You yes. know that a lot of psychologists work on this from Nazi Germany. Hitler, Yamach Shemo, and his crew were able to change the attitude and the vision of Jews to the German population. Rabbi, I'm sorry to interrupt. But yes. I was once taking a class in Israel as part of a principal seminar. Yes. They showed us some of the images that he used. He would intersperse real rats running in the street with Jews in the street. And eventually, people began to think of us as vermin. Right. Right. It was horrible, but brilliant propaganda. Correct, correct, correct. And how scary is that? Because one really has to take a step back and think, really? Every single German citizen was such an evil person. He was able to turn their, their thought process. And of course, you know, and again, I'm not trying to be scary here, but anybody here who comes from Holocaust parent, grandparents or you know, family, you'll, they'll tell you, especially, especially those who lived in Germany, not so much Poland. Polish Jews, Poland never liked the Jews. But in Germany, you know, you know how successful the Jews were in, in Germany? You know how, how wealthy and music and in medicine, and the same people who were their best friends, propaganda. What is propaganda? What is propaganda? Propaganda is making somebody look bad. You guys know where I'm going? Making somebody look bad. That's propaganda. 
making up lies about another person. So, for example, I used, uh, of course, the uh, that story. What about the blood libel, right? What about the blood libel? What about how, how is that possible? How is it possible that people believe the blood libel and everybody knows the stories? So now let's go full circle. Here we go. How was Paro successful in getting the, the, the people of Egypt to enslave us? He made up stories about the Jews. He made propaganda girls. How scary is that? Paro's Paro's philosophy, Paro's weapon was the same as Hitler, Yamashimo. Things have never changed. You first spread the lies about the Jews, right? And then you make people hate them. That's why it says, Vayareu Otanu. Let's go full circle. I hope you're excited now. Next time you daven Hallel. Betzeit Yisrael Mimitzrayim, yeah? Beit Yaakov went from an Am Lo'ez. Lo'ez, it's a negative. David Amelch is saying, yes, the Egyptians slandered us. Am Lo'ez, that's what Am Lo'ez means. Everybody got the shot? We're good? Okay. Now we're going to get a little scary. I'm going to say something that I say usually on Tisha B'Av. So you're going to say, okay. Okay, so first of all, I have to tell you, I, I'm, going to, I'm, going to make it, I'm going to make a point. Don't get upset at me, but I'm going to make a point. Last week, we talked about that we have to be careful not to, uh, like, we have to be like fish, right? That we have to be, I'm not calling on you, Jeannie. We have to be like fish, that we have to not, you know, flaunt our stuff. I'm going to add that since we know that anti-Semitism is based on telling bad stories about Jewish people, how careful do we need to be about Chilul Hashem? Is that a fair statement? That's a fair statement. All right, if we're in the limelight, if, in business or anywhere, for a Jew to do something that's going to cause others to think that we are, you know, that type is, is really, really something that we have to be careful of. Fair enough. Is there something else that we have to be careful of? Okay, so this is mine. I say this on Tisha B'Av. If you dislike what I'm about to say, you could definitely email me and I'll have a discussion. Ready? There's something called Midah Keneged Midah. Everybody knows what that is, right? Okay, Hashem works Midah Keneged Midah. It's a Gemara. There it is. Midah connected Midah. Right? Okay. Here we go. Midah, by the way, the word Midah. Does anybody know what the word Midah actually means? What's, what's the Measure, actual? Measurement. 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 Right. A measurement. Right? Understand? So the same measurement that we do, God gives us back this measurement. By the way, that's why what's a good character called? Midot. Right? Because what are you measured by? Like, what are you known by? Nice. Okay. So, so popular or so well known is the fact that Hashem works midah connected midah. Just a quick, a, a quick observation in this week's pasuk. For those who've never heard this, it's very famous. Paro says to his nation, oh, the Jewish people, they're getting too big. Let's, let's get rid of them. Hava nitchak malo. Nitchak ma. What is the shoresh? Chacham. Let's deal with them shrewdly. Let's be smart. Let's take care of them in a smart way. Look at Rashi. These are famous, by the way. What does that mean? I'll do the English. Okay, our rabbis interpreted that Paro said, let's deal shrewdly with the savor of Israel. Let's make sure that they don't get a leader, right? 
by afflicting them to die with water. His idea to throw the babies into the water and drown them was very smart on his part. For he has already sworn that he would not bring a flood to the world. What's going on? Even Paro already heard that this Jewish God, whatever this God is, works midak, heged midak. Can you imagine? It's, it's a famous thing that the Jewish religion God works midak and heged midak. So what's what's the what's the brilliance of Paro? What's the brilliance? The brilliance of Paro is, you know what? I'll play this man's game. I'll play Hashem's game. I'm going to kill the Jewish boys with water. So if I drowning, if Hashem is going to want to punish me, what is he going to have to do? Come on, what is he going to have to do? Drown me. Drown me with a flood, right? And Hashem already promised in this Jewish religion that he'll never bring a flood. Checkmate. There you go. Wow. Well, did Hashem do me that connected me that? <laughs> yes. Did he? Yeah, he did. He didn't drown the whole world. He just drowned the Egyptians. Right. He brought them to Yamsuf. It's amazing. By the way, we're not up to Parshat Yitro, but one of the things that made Yitro convert, you know, Yitro Moshe's father converted, one of the things was that he heard this story that they drowned that way, and he goes, whoa, this God is, like, amazing. Look what he does. All right, whatever. So that's me not connecting me. Fair? Good. And that's this week's Parsha. Now, on Tisha B'Av, I always bring this story, the Chassam Sofer. You should remember this story. In 1809, the French forces pounded the city of Pressburg with cannon fire. The large Jewish community led by the Chassam Sofer, a very, very, very famous rabbi, Ramosha Sofer, spent their days and nights living in fear for their lives and yet remained unharmed. For the most part, even their property escaped major damage. In his address, the Chassam Sofer said, Chazal referred to three different Averot as arrows, concluding that these Averot were therefore alluded to the constant onslaught of cannon fire. The second of those Averot was Lashon Hara, based on Pasuk and Yirmiyahu, that compares words of Lashon Hara to arrows, right? So the Hassam Sofer said to the frightened residents of Pressburg, by urging them to stand strong against Chitzim of Averot as Lashon Hara, Hashem will protect us from the cannon fire. So what are you doing? I'm laying the groundwork to tell you that the Hassam Sofer said, Hashem works midah keneged midah. If we throw arrows at other people, Hashem will let arrows be thrown at us. Again, if we throw cannonballs at other people, Hashem will loosen his defense of us, right? And will allow cannonballs to come. Fair? He said it. I didn't say it. You want to start up with the Hassam Sofer? You can. He'll come to you in a dream tonight. So that was in 1809. This is what I'd like to offer. And here it goes. This week's Parsha. Everything is this week's Parsha. Everybody knows this story. Moshe, and we're going to come back to refer to this story. Moshe comes back on the second day. We'll see what the first day is in a minute. Not now. And he sees two Jews fighting. Shnei Anashim Ivrim Nitzim. Come on, somebody yell out. Who are they? This is a Tishabav message always. And he says, Lama takareyacha, boys, why are you fighting for? What are you guys fighting? You're Jewish people. Jewish people shouldn't fight. What's their reaction? You know how the reaction is. And when you go to somebody in shul and you say, why are you talking? What's the first thing he's going to say? 
who made you the head of the shul, right? There we go. And they said, who made you king over everybody? Oh, 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 more than that. Are you going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Everybody knows the story that he killed the Egyptian that was hitting the Jew? Wow. At the end, the result, by the way, Datan Baviram went to Paro to tell on him, to say to Lashon Hara, and worse, to rat on him. Moshe, Moshe got nervous or scared and said, girls, big three words. Achen noda hadavar. Indeed, the matter has become known. Perush Pashut. According to the apparent meaning, it's known that I killed the Egyptian. But now there's another Perush. The matter I was wondering about. Why the Jews are considered more sinful than all of the 70 nations of the world to be subjugated with back-breaking work. Listen carefully, don't lose this. Moshe is saying, I don't understand. Why were the Egyptians able to enslave the Jewish people so much? Says Moshe, Hashem works midah, keneged midah. If Jews talk about each other, if Jews spread rumors about each other, then God will allow, ready, right, ready? Here's, here's the big ice cream, here we go. What did I say? What did we say here together? That how did Egypt begin the enslavement? By spreading rumors about the Jewish people, by doing propaganda. There's your midah, keneged midah. If the Jewish community spreads rumors about other kids. This kid is a nerd. This kid does that. Let's not be friends with her. She's not a nice person. We are doing propaganda to each other. If we do propaganda to each other, then God would allow the non-Jews to spread propaganda about us. If you want to disagree, I got it. But that's how we have to try to be careful. Okay, everybody got that? I'm going to show you an amazing positive midah connected midah with a pasuk that you didn't think of. I want to begin with a general question, okay? We already said, we always say, that the Torah doesn't write every part of the story of a person, only certain parts. Is that correct? Fair to say? I'm going to show you how amazingly skip this parsha is about Moshe, Okay? Let's, uh, let me get to the Pasha. Let me get to the Pasha. Ready? So we know Moshe was born. We got that story. We know how. We know how Moshe. No, no, that's not what I want. That's not what I want. That's not what I want. Give me a sec. Give me a sec, guys. A second. I got to get you out of that picture. You know, I see your boxes and they're all over the place. You're beautiful to look at, but then I can't do my thing. No. Yes. Here we go. So we know that the baby was put into the water, right? And uh, Batya, we'll get to Batya maybe later. Very nice. And then uh, let's get you somebody to nurse the baby. And then they nursed the baby. And they brought her, and they brought her to Paro. And they called him Moshe. And uh, because Benamayim Meshitiu. We'll do that maybe the next week. Now watch, watch, watch. Look what's about to happen. This is Pasuk 10 and Pasuk 11. Moshe's a baby. He's a really, really little baby, right? He was born, uh, this is three months. He was born early, so he's what? He's like literally like nine months, nine and a half months. All of a sudden, 11. He's a man. Whoa, what happened to all those years? You're going to tell me there's no story about Moshe? If, 
when I saw the Ten Commandments, there was a whole bunch of stories. He was hanging out with this girl. He was doing that. I would be fascinated to know what did Moshe do during those years? Nada, not here. The next thing we see is, Moshe is a man, and he goes out to his brethren. Did he know Jewish or not? I don't know. He looked at their work. He sees uh, uh, an Egyptian. And he kills the Egyptian. I'm going to show you something now, but I want you to remember it. Okay? He saw their burdens. He set his eyes and mind to share in their distress. I'm just going to make it into Hebrew for a minute. How sick is that? Okay, Ishmitri, you ready? Uh, no, 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 that's not what I want. That's not what I want. Oh, come on, man. Here it is. Look what it says. Natan Enav, he saw Vilibo. Tell me, was Moshe enslaved? No. He was in good, he was, he was in a happy mode. But he saw his brothers enslaved and he put his heart into it and he got upset about it. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. Okay, good. All right. And then he goes and he kills the Egyptian. So the first story we learn from baby till now is the day that he killed the Egyptian. Now, the next day, which means there's no more. We're not skipping years. Second story. The second story we just learned that he saw two people fighting and he said, why are you fighting? Yada, yada, yada. Then, of course, he has to run away because they told him, Moshe runs away. He goes to uh, Midian, right? And then two seconds later, two seconds later, Another little detail, he comes to the what? To the well. He sees other what? Other uh, no, Roim, uh, shepherds. Shepherds. Girls. Vayaka Moshe Vayoshian. And Moshe got up and saved them. So, okay. So we, we've got nothing about Moshe. Nothing about Moshe when he's growing up. Then all of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. Three stories. He helps the Jew. He says to the two Jews, why are you fighting? And he helps the girls, right? Even nicer, right? He picks up girls, helps them out. What happens? The next thing we see, let me see. Don't lose me now because I'm very excited about this. So don't, yeah, yeah. What happens then, right? And, and, and he meets Ruel and they tell him the story. Go ahead. You know, I'm not going too fast. He stays with them, gets married. We don't have much about the marriage. We don't have pictures for the chuppah. We get nothing. He has a child. All of a sudden, a year later, it's a year. He's got a guy, Gershom. And that's it. And then watch, 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 guys. Look. And the next basuk is, it was in those days, and Hashem is now going to choose Moshe to be the guy, the leader. You know, hello, hello. What about the years he was in Yitro? How many years is that? Is it two? Is it five? Is it eight? Is it 20? What was he doing? Nothing. Three stories, one after the other. We're ready for Moshe to work. You ready? I'm going to show you something. Please be excited because I was very excited. died and they're crying to Hashem. Okay. He heard their prayers. He remembered the promise. Abraham Yitzhak Yaakov. Are you ready now? Okay. I got to do this. Oh, please be the right one. Oh, there it is. There it is. Vayar Elokim. Hashem sees the plight of the Jewish people. 
And now he knows that he has to save them. Can somebody look at the Rashi? Vayar Elohim Vayeda. What does it say? Natan Alehem. What's the word? Lave. Lave. Yo, yo. You know what Hashem is waiting for? He's waiting for a man like Moshe who has empathy for other people. That's the story behind the story. Why was Moshe chosen? Tell me, girls and boys, was Moshe the best speaker in all of the world? What's the answer? No. No, no, he was a lousy speaker. He would have been thrown out as a rabbi. You could hardly speak. Was Moshe like a show-off? No, he was humble. What is the midah? What is the leadership thing that God chose? A man who's not in trouble, but cares about others who is in trouble. And the three stories, girls, is, is, the, is, is, is the foundation of why Hashem. And look how beautiful this is. And that's Midah connected Midah the other way. If there is a Jew who's able to care about others like that, I need to care about them too. That's Midah connected Midah. You guys with me? Yeah. You think not enough? Can I give you one more point? What is the first moment of revelation of Hashem to Moshe? What was it? What was the scene? What was the... The Snebo-Ebaesh. Whoa, whoa. You think I'm doing this without backup, guys? Look at this. And there it is. Hashem says, I'm ready to roll. Next parrot. All this week's parsha. Moshe Hayabro Etzon. Now we need to know that because that's how he got to Har Sinai. And what does he see? Vayar, whoa, Shrek, no, 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 don't lose me, don't lose me, don't lose me, one second, one second, no, no, guys, you can't lose, oh, there it is, yeah, Vayar malach Hashem elah balabat eish mitoch right, mitoch let me just get the blue on that, okay, let's go, let's go, let's go, mitoch mitoch says Rashi, velo ilan acher, not another, what is a sneh, it's a thorn bush, why is Hashem living in a thorn bush? It's painful, says Rashi. Mishum imo anochi bitzara. Mishum ino anochi imo anochi bitzara. Do you understand what that means? That means Hashem is showing Moshe. You know why I chose you? You know why I chose you? Because you have empathy. And I now have empathy because you have it. Midah keneged midah. I'm in a snare. And I have to show him. Case made. Can I do one more little one? You're not going anywhere. I'm so excited. What does Hashem say? Oh, so Moshe says, come. You know, I have to see what's going on. What's going on? Everybody see, knows that. By Hashem kisar Moshe, Moshe, Everybody knows. Vayomer, al tikrav halom. Don't come close. Shal ne'alecha me'al raglecha ki hamakom asher ata omed alav admat kodesh. So the first thing Hashem says to Moshe is, no? Take off your shoes. Take off your shoes. Take off your shoes. Say the Hasidic world. You are an empathetic person, Moshe. That's what will make you a leader. Make sure that when you become a leader, Take off your shoes, because when you step all over the place, feel the pain of other people. Feel it. Don't have a shoe on. Don't have something that stops you from saying it has nothing to do with me. That's the complete picture. And that's why Moshe was chosen. And I have to tell you, 
I have it here. Don't get, don't get, don't go crazy. I mean, don't leave me yet. Please don't leave me yet. Maybe that's the entire concept of Yitziat Mitzrayim. It says in Mishpatim, it says, yeah, yeah. Ger do not oppress a stranger. Do not make somebody uncomfortable when they're, you know, they're about tshuva or they're a ger or a yatom in almana. Says Rashi, ki gerim says the Torah, ki gerim mitzrayim. Hashem is saying, we need to understand how other people are feeling. That's why Moshe was successful in his thing. And that's why Hashem was in a snare. And that's what we're supposed to learn from Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Okay, I got a minute and a half. What I'd like to do is show you. It's not like, whoa, blow away inspirational. But first of all, I want to show you a picture of the man that I quote all the time. His name is Rabbi Yisachar Friend. I don't know if you've ever seen him or heard him. He talks about nose be'ol chaveiro. He talks about empathy. He talks about feeling other people's pain. It's a fantastic, it's three minutes, guys. Hang in there. But it's also his sucker friend, and I love him. Okay, here we go. Friend, friend, do friend, go. No, 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 no. Let me go back, because I got to make sure that it's, the video is clear. But yeah, I have to do this. Share. One sec, one sec, one sec. Okay, it's three minutes, and then we're done. Okay, here, here we go. Listen to these stories about great rabbis. Go. I'm sure many of you have heard the name of Rav Aaron Kotler, Zechot Tzadik Levracha, who founded the Lakewood Yeshiva, which is the biggest yeshiva in the world today. During World War II, his wife, Rebetzin Kotler, refused to have sugar in her tea because if the Jews in, in Europe are suffering, I'm going to deny myself that pleasure. When Reb Chaim Soloveitchik, the patriarch of the famous Soloveitchik family, there was a fire in the city of Brisk in which he was the rabbi, and many people were homeless. Reb Chaim Soloveitchik refused to sleep in his bed at night because if people are homeless and they don't have a bed, I'm not going to sleep in it comfortable either. And he slept in the shul on a bench. During the first Gulf War, when scuds were flying on Israel, Rav Eliezer Shach, the head of the famous Ponev Chishiv in Eretz Yisrael, slept in a fashion in which his head was on the side of the bed. And invariably, in the course of the night, his head would fall off the bed, which would awaken him preventing him from getting a, a, a solid night's sleep. He was an old man by then. His Talmudim, his students came to him and said, why are you sleeping like that? You're an old man, you need your sleep. He says, you know why? Because when American boys came to me and they said that their parents want them to come home from Israel because they're afraid that they'll be killed by the scuds. And I told these boys that if they learn and they study Torah in Israel, I take the responsibility and they won't be killed. He says, because of me, parents are not sleeping a good night's sleep in America. And if parents aren't sleeping a good night's sleep, I'm not going to sleep a good night's sleep. That's Naisi Berlam Chaveri. When Rabbi Kotler Zechitzadik was sick on his deathbed, suffering from the incredible pains of cancer, Rachmana Litzlan, 
So he was afraid that he had forgotten how to say Shemayin Esrei. If you can imagine that, the man that knew Shas like his fingertips, the entire Talmud, but was afraid that he couldn't remember the words of Shemayin Esrei. So he would have a boy stand next to him who would say the Shemayin Esrei word by word, and Rabbi Aaron Kotler would repeat after him, Baruch, Baruch, Ato, Ato, etc. And they got to the bracha of Rufa'enu, when we asked for, to help people who are sick to get better. So he's saying the bracha Rafaenu, but we know that if you have people, you know people who are sick, you can insert in that bracha the names of the people that are sick. And all of a sudden, this man that may have forgotten Shemayin Esrei, but when he gets to that bracha, he starts shooting out of his mouth all the different people for who he's davening for. Here he's sick on his deathbed, in pain, in excruciating pain. His memory has failed him. He may not remember Shemayin Esrei, but he remembers all the people that he's davening for that they should get better. That's what's called Naisib Alam Chaveire. Did you guys hear it? Amazing. Rabbi, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Since Thank this one, you. he's from France, so you should know that's what he looks like. But those last two stories, then when Rav Shach, can you imagine the rabbi in Israel is allowing, telling the boys to stay, but your parents are not sleeping? If your parents are not sleeping, I'm not sleeping. It's just an amazing thing. So that's called noseb o'chavero. That's called empathy. So you see it all is together. First of all, it also shows, I think it shows, in my humble opinion, that midah connected midah. Hashem is waiting for us, right? If we do things like that, that causes Hashem. I'm not here to say who controls God, but it seems like that, right? That he waited to choose a leader who can have that quality in a person. I have another uh, beautiful perush in uh, Shalom Aleichem, but maybe we'll do that next week. All right, so guys, so one more week. Have a great week. Peggy, feel good. You look great. Baruch Hashem. Everybody should have a wonderful week. Amir Tzachem.